Welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here we talk about the connection between creativity and healing, and how we are creative, and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally. Join us now. Hi, everyone. Larissa Russell of Creative View Healing, and welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today, I have with me Terry Tucker. Terry has been an NCAA Division I college basketball player, a Citadel cadet, a marketing executive, a hospital administrator, an undercover narcotics investigator, a SWAT team hostage negotiator, a high school basketball coach, a business owner, a motivational speaker and author, and most recently, a cancer warrior. He is the author of Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Living Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. Terry and his wife have lived all over the United States and currently reside in Colorado with their Wheaton Terrier, Maggie. In 2019, Terry started the website Motivational Check to help others find and lead their uncommon and extraordinary lives. So welcome, Terry. Thanks, Larissa. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yes, that is a lot. I, you know, as we were just talking <clears throat> before we started, uh, I've, I've changed careers many times and taken a diverse path, but that is a lot of things. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, as life. I said to you earlier, you know, a lot of times I do look at that or, you know, have somebody read it and say, you know, gee, one of these days I got to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up, you know. So <laughs> it, it, it's a very diverse, you know, group of, of jobs and things like that. But it's also been a lot of fun. It's been a fun journey. Yeah. Well, and there's always that common <laughs> thread through all of them, right? That you're obviously very good at communicating and helping people through with things and yeah, all of those things. So, so can you share some of your story and the path that's brought you to where you are now? Sure. So I, I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. I am the oldest of three boys. You cannot tell this from looking at me, but I'm six foot eight inches tall. And, you know, I, I have a brother that's six foot seven, another brother that's six foot six, and my dad was six foot five. So I sort of joked that if you sat behind our family in church growing up, there wasn't a prayers chance you were going to see anything that was going on. But you know, our five foot eight inch mother was the boss. It didn't matter how big, tall, strong we were, whatever mom said, that's the way it went. <clears throat> so I was fortunate enough to go to play basketball at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, despite having three knee surgeries in high school. And when I graduated, I moved home to find a job. And I'm really going to date myself now, but this was long before the internet was available to, to find a job. And I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And I look back now and realize just how little I knew about business just because I had a degree. Fortunately, I was able to find that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain. Unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mom care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. You touched on my professional career, so I'll just end it with my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. Wow, the Space Force. I, I mean, I'm not American, I'm Canadian, but I, I have not heard of the Space Force. So <laughs> It's relatively new. It was started in uh, Trump's last year in office, uh, thinking that, you know, space is kind of going to be, you know, to, to borrow a cliche from Star Trek, you know, the next frontier, and so they, I mean, we've always had a space component in the military, but this was more, you know, a, a dedicated part of the military. 
where you know it's not like well if we need money we'll take it from the space force now space force has their own budget and things like that right right well that's fascinating fascinating so you have written a book was it about your cancer journey that the book was about it really wasn't i mean there are there's a couple stories in there that are about it it's really a book that was born out of two conversations i had one i um when i was a basketball coach I had a player who I coached who moved to Colorado where my wife and I live now. And we had dinner with her and her fiance. And I remember saying to her one time, you know, I'm, I'm really excited you're living close and I can watch you find and live your purpose. And she got real quiet for a while. And then she kind of looked at me and she's like, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I have no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Finding the reason you were put on the face of this earth and then living that reason. So that was one conversation. And then I had a young man in college reach out to me on social media and ask me what I thought were the most important things he should learn to not just be successful in his job or in business, but to be successful in life. And I didn't want to give him that, you know, get up early, work hard, help others. Not that those aren't important. Those are incredibly important, but I wanted to see if I could go deeper. So I started, you know, to write notes and think about it for a while. And eventually I had these, these 10 thoughts, these 10 ideas, these 10 principles, and I sent them to him. And then I kind of stepped back and I was like, well, you know, I've got a life story that fits underneath this principle, or I know somebody whose life emulates that principle. So I've been battling this rare form of cancer for about 10 years. And in 2020, I had my leg amputated. And while I was healing from that, I sat down at the computer every day and I built stories underneath each of the principles. And they're real stories. They're not just things that are made up. I mean, they're, they're real people and real events that occur to kind of illustrate what those principles mean or a practical guide to how those principles can be implemented in your life. Wow. Wow. That, I love that idea, though. You know, especially when it comes from those real life things that happen and it triggers something that goes, yeah, we should share this. More people need to know this, right? I think so. I, I, I mean, you know, I, again, I don't, I, I don't have all the answers, you know, I, I, I mean, I been through, you know, 10 years of cancer and, and, you know, I always say that, you know, we're all going to experience pain in our lives and, and it doesn't have to be cancer pain or even any kind of an illness. It could be, you know, you flunk a test at school or you break up with your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or you don't get the promotion at work that you think you deserve. Pain is inevitable. But suffering, on the other hand, suffering's optional. Suffering's what you do with that pain. Do you use it to make you a stronger and better individual? Or do you wallow in it and want people to feel sorry for you and feel sorry for yourself? I mean, you and I both know this. Life is about choices. And the choices we make, you know, whether we're going to have a great life or, or, or not so great in life, those are all about our decisions, our choices. And so, you, have, you know, the, the world doesn't owe you anything. You know, it's like, well, I, got a, I had a bad break. Well, guess what? We all have bad breaks. How do you want to handle that bad break? You want to learn something and get stronger, or do you want to feel sorry for yourself and get weaker? It's your choice. Yeah, I I absolutely believe that. Uh, you know, with people in the past, they come from. Sometimes it's harder for them to sort of figure that out, like really get that message. But um, we are all in charge of our own life and and how we react to things that happen to us. I absolutely believe that. So. One of the questions I ask everyone who comes on is, what does healing with creativity mean to you? Yeah, I've done a lot of healing over the last 10 years. And, and, and I, you know, I think it makes us, you know, you break a bone and, and that bone heals. And that bone is stronger at the area where it healed than it was before you broke it. 
And so I, for me, I, I think that's, that's what healing is. You know, I have, I mean, you're looking at me right now and I kind of look normal and healthy and all that, but you know, underneath all these clothes, I have a ton of scars all over my body and I'm proud of those scars. I earned those scars. I mean, I went through some very difficult times to get those scars. So I don't look at my body as, oh, gee, you know, you're, you're kind of ugly. I mean, I'm sure other people would. I mean, they're, they're not pretty, but at the same time, you know what, I'm proud of them. I earned it. So I think healing is being stronger than you were before and finding ways, you know, maybe not traditional ways, you know, creative ways to heal yourself, whether that be mentally healing yourself or physically healing your body. So having, you know, I never thought about that. I guess that would be my answer to your question. <laughs> well, and, it, and it's so true, right? So many people are embarrassed by the scars that they have on their body. And that's because our societal norms say, you know, you're supposed to look this way or, you know, have a body like this and things like that. But really all of those scars come from some experience in your life that probably was a growth experience, right? However, it happened, whether you did it to yourself or you had a surgery or you were in an accident, hopefully that it was at least a growth experience uh, for you. And those scars mark that. So I, I just love that way of looking at it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I recently had a nurse, I, I'm on a clinical trial drug now for the tumors I have in my lungs. And I had a nurse ask me, you know, what was it like? I, I initially had my foot amputated because that's where my cancer started. And, and then I had my leg amputated in 2020. And she asked me, you know, what was that like? You know, and, and I've told her, I said, you know, it's, it's not been easy. You know, when you're a little kid and you're learning to walk, you know, you kind of fall over and have fun and laugh. I'm six foot eight inches tall. So, you know, for me, falling is not an option. So learning to walk again, I'm still learning to walk again. I'm still not at the point where I'm, I'm very comfortable with that. And I told her, I said, you know, cancer can take all my physical faculties, but cancer can't touch my mind. It can't touch my heart and it can't touch my soul. And that's who I am. That's who you are. That's who your audience is. This is just, you know, th this body is just a house or a vessel or whatever you want to call it to house who we really are. And as you said, you know, people tend to judge us based on our outward appearance. And, you know, some people have been through some very traumatic things, been burned over their whole body, you know, have all these scars and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, you know, that person's ugly. You don't know that person. That's not who that person is. That person is their heart, their mind, and their soul. And, and, and I think it's important for us to keep that in mind, that this is you know, it's like your house. This is just the house that holds who we really are. Yeah, it's so true, right? The, the exterior is not who you are. And I think that's a really important message for, for people. Your um, website that you have now, Motivational Check, you call it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Motivational Check was, um, I started after I had my, my foot amputated. Literally, I, I was laying in bed, you know, and it would be like, kind of looking at the ceiling like, all right, God, uh, what's next? What, what are we doing here? You know, and I mean, there's that old joke about when we talk to God, it's called prayer. When God talks to us, it's called schizophrenia. So I don't want anybody to think that, you know, God was talking to me, but I think what God did was put people in my path that were like, hey, you should start a blog. You, you should, you know, write about this. You should, and I, and I was totally resistant. I'm like, hey, I'm old. I can barely turn my cell phone on in the morning. So, I mean, a blog, are you kidding me? But when I finally, finally, when enough people started to say it, I think I'm smart enough to kind of perk up and be like, maybe I ought to pay attention to this. So 
back in, in 2019, it was like, well, I'm going to start a blog. And, and, and this is the honest to God's truth. It was initially four pages, took me four months because I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I'd look at, I don't know what that means. I got to go research it. I'm sure my 25-year-old daughter could have done it in about 15 minutes, but it literally took me four months to, to put four pages together. And the title Motivational Check comes from my days in the police academy when I was, when I was a police officer. And our defensive tactics instructor gave us that phrase, Motivational Check, that we could, we could yell out anytime we were having a tough day or you know we were hurting and i mean we did some pretty amazing things in the academy we ran a marathon we did you know so we we did some things that physically taxed our bodies and so when we got to that point it was like oh man i'm hurting i can't go on you could just yell out motivational check and the rest of the class we were the 84th recruit class would yell out 84 just to let the person know that hey we're here we're all in this together we're going to get through this together don't quit don't give up and so when i was looking for a title for the blog, motivational checks seem to come to mind. And, and every day I put up a thought for the day. And with that thought comes a usually a question to maybe get you to think about how that thought might you know be part of your life or you can make it part of your life. On Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message, which is usually a video or a story, which is a little bit longer, but I know people's time is at a premium. So I always say, if you need a quick hit of inspiration or motivation, go to motivationalcheck.com, get that, and then move on with your day. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, we'll make sure that the, the link is there for people to be able to do that. Super easy for them because, you know, I think that's really important to keep motivated. And I love that idea of having sort of a group behind you as well, right? Like you had your, your team and find it. So if people find those people who are on the same path as them, you know, resonate with them and, and can keep them motivated and they can help keep them motivated as well. I think, I think that's great. I yeah. think it is too. And, and we all, you know, I mean, if I didn't know you, but I knew the five people you hung around with the most, I could probably tell you a lot about the person you were. So I, I always suggest to people, you know, if you don't have people in your life that, that aren't uplifting you, that don't care about you, that don't have your best interest in mind, get those people out of your life and surround yourself with good people that care about you, that love you, that want the best for you, that are willing to tell you the truth. But, you know, what do we do when somebody says, you know, hey, Terry, you're, you're kind of messing this up. What do we, oh, no, you know, get away from me. You're not my friend. Oh, no, trust me. Those are your friends. Those are the people you need in your life to kind of keep you on that sort of straight and narrow because they're willing to tell you the truth and at the same time, potentially risk the relationship that they have with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important in a friend. If you can't challenge me on something, we can't be friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so true. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? Can I leave you with one more story? You, you sure can. Mind? So yeah. I've always been a big fan of Western movies growing up my, and television shows. My mom and dad used to let me stay up and watch Gunsmoke and Bonanza and Wild Wild West and things like that. 1993, the movie Tombstone came out. You very well may have seen it. It starred Val Kilmer as a man by the name of John Doc Holliday and Kurt Russell as a man by the name of Wyatt Earp. Now, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were two living, breathing human beings who walked on the face of the earth. They're not made up characters for the movie. And Doc was called Doc because he was a dentist by trade, but pretty much Doc Holliday was a gunslinger and a card shark. And Wyatt Earp had been a lawman his entire life. So these two men from entirely divergent backgrounds form this very close friendship. And at the end of the movie, 
Doc Holliday is dying at a hospital in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which is about three hours from where I live. And the real Doc Holliday died in that hospital and he's buried in the Glenwood Springs Cemetery. And Wyatt at this point in his life is destitute. He has no money, he has no job, he has no prospects for a job. So every day he comes to pass the time with Doc and the two men play cards. And in this scene at the very end of the movie, they're talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, you know, I was in love with my cousin when I was young, but she joined a convent over the affair, but she's all that I ever wanted. And Doc looks at Wyatt and he says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt says, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal, there's just life and get on with living yours. You know, Larissa, you and I, you know, probably know people who are kind of sitting back or like, well, when this happens, I'll have a normal life. When that happens, I'll have a successful life. When this happens, I'll have a significant life. I guess what I'd like to leave your listeners with is don't wait. Don't wait for life to come to you. Get out there, find the reason you were put on the face of this earth and live that reason. Because if you do, I'm going to promise you two things at the end of your life. Number one, you're going to be a whole lot happier. And number two, you're going to have a whole lot more peace in your heart. I love that. I love that. It's so important, I think, for, for people to find their purpose and, and to live their best life because life is what happens while you're making plans, right? So <laughs> just like, let's, let's live this one. Let's live this one. Well, again, I want to thank you so much for being here today and sharing some of your story. It, I think it was wonderful. Uh, the, you are so motivational. I see why you're a motivational speaker. I really get that. <laughs> Well, thank you for having me on. I always say it's it's nice people like you that allow me to come on and 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 between our conversation, hopefully we're going to make a difference in somebody's life. And if we do, for me, today's going to be a good day. Excellent. And we'll make sure all your links are there so people know where to find you. And to our listeners, we will see you again next time. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Thank you for listening. If you found our podcast of interest, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you listen in. 